get the next 10 weeks of The Spectator in print and online for just £1. There's no commitment and you can cancel at any time. But hurry, because this offer runs for a week only. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash sale. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey and I'm joined by Fraser Nelson and James Forsyth. At six o'clock this morning, two Met Police officers were stabbed near Leicester Square. James, this isn't a great start for the new Met Police Commissioner Mark Rowley, is it? Mark Rowley, the new commissioner of the Metropolitan Police, started in his job this week. And I think it is hard to overstate the challenges facing him. First of all, he has taken on the job in the most unpromising of circumstances after his predecessor, Cressida Dick, had lost the confidence of the mayor of London after a series of scandals. But he's also taken the job over at a time when recorded crime in England and Wales is at a 20-year high. The public are losing confidence in the Metropolitan Police. Now, less than half of Londoners say that the police do a good job. And the Metropolitan Police's own staff survey shows how low morale is by the fact that only only a third of Metropolitan Police officers think they would get a good service if they called the police as, as members of the public. Now... I think the first thing that Rowley needs to do is to go back to neighbourhood policing. Um, In 2018, the Met moved from this kind of old traditional system of first two boroughs, each having chief superintendent, to these larger areas and with this strategic centre. I don't think that has worked. I don't think it is a coincidence that the number of Londoners who think the police do a good job has fallen 18 points since those changes were, or 17 points since those changes were introduced. And I think that, I think that more neighbourhood model of policing would mean that you did deal with the crime that bothers people the most, and that would do a lot to both cut crime and restore public confidence. I think he also needs to deal with the disciplinary aspect of this. I think there are two things he should do there. One is he should push the government to, to make it easier to remove underperforming police officers. At the moment, police disciplinary proceedings are, are, are essentially being treated like they're, they're, like they're court cases. They're not. I mean, that should be it. it should be, that process should be simplified. And also, I think there is a case for revetting some uh, random number of police officers each year, because I think that might well work to nip in the bud the kind of problems that you saw at Charing Cross. Fraser, you'd have thought that central London would be one of the safest places in the country at the moment with the Queen's funeral on Monday, but this obviously isn't quite the case. Are you surprised by what's happened this morning? It fits a trend, unfortunately, of increasing um, use of knives, increasing uh, the police are struggling to get a, a grip of gangs. And um, this, you might think of this as an aberration, of course, you know, to, to wound a police officer is uh, carries huge criminal penalties in Britain. It's very, very rare that this happens. It's funny that, and in a way, if this was America, this wouldn't be um, such big news as it is, uh, because it's such a rare thing to happen here. But it does go to show the, the sort of the sense of increasing lawlessness not just in London but in the rest of the country. I think recorded crime is at 20 year high and if the Conservatives can't keep the streets safe then they tend not to be voted for much longer. Of course in London it's Sadiq Khan who's in charge of policing so we'll see if this rebounds against him or not but it does demonstrate that amongst the many things in Liz Truss's inbox, uh, rising crime is amongst them. James, this isn't just a problem in London, as Fraser says. It's something that Liz Truss is going to have to deal with. The ONS statistics showed that 6.3 million crimes were recorded in the year to March 22, which is 4% higher than the previous high. 
what nationally needs to change? So I think nationally, I think probably a move to neighbourhood policing is, is a big part of it. I think there's also a lot of this rise in crime has been driven by fraud. And the government really doesn't have a policy on how it plans to deal with online fraud. I think there needs to be far more clarity about how you deal with that problem. And I think also you've got to deal with antisocial behaviour. I think this is, you know, broken windows had as a theory of policing. I think it had a lot going for it. And I think that has been forgotten recently. You talk to people, there are lots of people concerns about, you know, t- places in town where people don't feel safe going after dark and the like. And I think that, you know, but part of that is not dealing with antisocial behaviour and that not being as much of a priority as it should be. Fraser, the pound also fell today to a 37-year low. This is off the back of some poor retail sales figures. Can you talk to us about what's behind this most recent drop in the pound's value? Well, today is the 30th anniversary of Black Wednesday. Um, so a coincidence, but still a significant one, that uh, the pound does market by plunging in this way. I think it's down 16% against the dollar so far this year. Now, the dollar is strong right now. Um, you can see the euro is now pretty much at parity with the dollar. But the pound is down against other currencies too. This, the pretty dismal retail sales figures just underlines the fears of not just a recession but the fact that Britain is now expected to be economically marooned for years to come. Meanwhile you've got a relatively spendthrift Prime Minister who's just announced a staggering amount of um, borrowing that she would need to um, fund her energy price cap certainly at the way it's constructed right now. There have been some estimates of £130 billion pounds you'd need to borrow and then spend. So you're seeing concerns, um, of course concerns that in part Leslie's trust to office, that the UK economy is um, stagnating, going into mild recession, but more, more to the point, we're going to stay there for four or five years, compared to an American economy which is now doing significantly better than Britain's post-lockdown. It seems that post-lockdown, we're probably going to be the worst performing of all European economies. And that might not be entirely surprising, given that we locked down the hardest of all European economies, with perhaps with the exception of Spain. But this is not great news for the government, which simply plans to borrow so much. One of the most significant trends I think we've seen in recent weeks is that the, the markets now expect Bank of England base rate to peak at 4.5%. That is quite a lot more than the thought a few weeks ago when I was thinking it'd be more like 3%. So I think this era of low inflation, low rates, etc. is emphatically over. We're now going to see high interest rates. We're going to see, we're already seeing high inflation that might peak next month. It might not. But the markets don't like the look of Britain's economy in general, hence the decline of sterling, which has happened for, it's been happening for months now, but especially steep for the last few weeks. I think the Big warriors. There used to be a fairly mechanistic relationship that when sterling fell, people bought UK stocks and or, or, or FTSE stocks, denominated in pounds and UK gilts. That appears to be breaking down at the moment, and that I think is the most worrying thing. That when if that mechanistic relationship goes, because that is the potential double whammy of increased borrowing costs for the government because people don't want to, people are less keen on buying. There's less demand for gilts. And a weakening currency. And I mean, the, the thing about weakening currency is Black Wednesday was so was so dramatic. It happened in one day. And, and because the UK was in the ERM, the exchange rate mechanism, the, the, there had to be attempts by the government of the Bank of England to try and prop up the currency. That sent interest rates soaring. It didn't work. And that destroyed the Tories for generation. 
what we've seen, and I think it's particularly the losses in the value of the pound particularly picked up since August, what we have seen is much more slow than that. And I don't think it's going to have anywhere, it's not going to have much political impact because of that. Because yes, it will show up in higher inflation in the medium term because so many uh, so many commodities are, are, are valued in dollars. But I don't think it's going to have a politically dramatic effect at the moment because this is happening slowly rather than happening in a day with, yeah, I mean, if you, uh, Fraser and I are old enough to have lived through Black Wednesday, every hour the news would reveal that the bank had raised rates again or the government and the bank had raised rates again in an attempt to try and protect the pound. And I think, I think you, you can't, you know, if you want to understand British politics, actually, you know, there is a good case for the Black Wednesday as one of the er events of it. You know, it A, destroyed the Tory party representative for economic competence, paved the way for the new Labour landslide. I think it also was why Britain was never going to join the euro, because it had had such a disastrous experience with currency pegging, pegging for Deutschmark. And you can argue that because Britain didn't join the euro, that made Brexit substantially more likely. Because I think if, if the UK had been in the euro, I don't, I don't think Leave could have won the referendum with the currency question hovering over it. I mean, at the moment, these moves in the pound are economically worrying, but I don't think they're going to politically register unless you have something like the pound falling to parity of the dollar, which is a very long way off. And what we haven't seen, by the way, is Liz Truss's um, mini-budget. We're going to get that next week on Friday. And we haven't seen how on earth she's going to finance the energy price cap that she's promised. So two massive question marks as to Britain's economic strategy for the future. And it doesn't seem right now as if the markets are giving our new Prime Minister the benefit of the doubt. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening.